Thank you very much. I'm almost embarrassed by the response. But when I see this, I know that the 25 years that I spent trying to make you happy every night of your life was worth every damn minute of it. Now, somebody told me that the horsemen were having a party tonight in Greenville. Could that be true that the most elite group that Eric Bischoff was dead, is alive, and well. Bischoff, this might be my only shot. And I gotta tell you, I'm gonna make it my best. Is this what you call a great moment in TV? It's wrong because this is real. This is not bought and paid for. It's a real life situation. Just like the night in Columbia, South Carolina, when you looked at me, tears in my eyes, and said, God, that's good TV. It was real. Art Anderson passed the torch it was real, damn it! You think Sting was crying in the dressing room like I was on TV? If it wasn't real, this guy, my best friend, is one of the greatest performers to ever live! And you... You squashed him in one night. Then, you get on the phone and tell me, disband the horsemen, they're dead. Disband the horsemen. Me, you know what? I looked at myself in the mirror the next day and I saw a pathetic figure that gave up and quit. And for that, I owe you the wrestling fans.
it. Welcome to another edition of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I am intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, we head into the Royal Rumble tomorrow night. We're taping this on Saturday. But what do you have from the world of professional wrestling news? I only got two things. Nikki Bella has been named executive producer of Total Bellas now. (laughs) Okay, what does that job entail, do you think? I have no idea, but basically she has the final say-so of everything before it goes to being aired on E. And so now, not only do we have Total Bellas, we now have the Total Bella Divas show because that's all it's going to be about is her and Nikki. Or her and Brie. Well, I think the Total Divas is getting dropped. Yeah, Total Bellas is the series that the that E's going to want because uh, Brie's having a baby, so they got to follow that whole storyline, you know? Right. They, they're not going to cancel the show before that baby comes out. And uh, as far as Total Divas, like we discussed last week, I think it's going to end up on the network. It's just a regular network show. So. I think that'd be better for it anyway. Yeah, especially for people like me that don't have cable television that I can't just flip on E and watch whenever yeah. I do. I have to watch. Don't get me in trouble, but my other job is where I watch Raw and uh, SmackDown because yeah. they have cable. So right. I, I can't watch at home. So. I might actually, even though I really hate all that scripted reality stuff, the chances are much greater of me turning on the network to see Total So, Divas. So when you're actually supposed to be working, you're watching wrestling. Oh, well, I mean... That, that's a true fan right there. I'm doing both. I, I can multitask. Oh, can you? Because technically I'm doing work for the Retro Wrestling Podcast. That when is, I'm, that's very true. When I'm watching Raw and SmackDown. That is very true. Like when I watched Bill Goldberg bust his own head open on Monday night. That was hilarious, right? Very distracting. And I think he concussed himself, basically. Yeah. He was, uh, he'd been perfect on the microphone. Yeah. But this really fucked him up on Monday, hitting his head on the locker. What saved the whole segment was, uh, was, uh, Undertaker. Well, I mean, Paul Heyman saved it before that. I mean, by the way, in, as soon as he started struggling, they should have sent Paul Heyman out there at first. Yeah. And that would have made it a lot better. Yeah. But yeah, definitely, oh, the tease at the end of the show, it couldn't have gone any better, you know? You're going to see Braun Strowman, Lesnar, and you're going to see Goldberg and Taker. <laughs> I don't think so. I you're don't think to. that's the direction they're going. I still think they're set on Lesnar-Goldberg Part 3 at Mania. But we will see. I mean, by the time I get this edited and out, we will probably we know will for know. sure. Yeah. yeah, we will know after Sunday night which direction they're going. It's going to be very obvious. Well, like we said on the last the last episode, whoever wins the Royal Rumble, I can pretty much lay out the WrestleMania card for you. The shows were pretty much, uh, you know, Raw and SmackDown didn't really produce a lot of uh, new. I mean, other than, yeah, the gold, we've already mentioned the Goldberg thing. Yeah. And that was. James Ellsworth, as we speak, is still not in the Royal Rumble. Oh, and my pick, Seth Rollins, got taken out in storyline on Monday. And I was so pissed because 
there I was editing the Retro Wrestling Podcast where I say that he's my pick to win the Royal Rumble. Then he gets in a match with Sami Zayn and loses his spot. Which is bullshit anyway because there was no official entry tournament into this event. Like, it was just go out there with a microphone, say you're in, and you're in. Well, I mean, you also said that Big Show wasn't going to be in it, and I called it. When are you going no, to... No, I, I went... I go along with you more in that, yeah, I mean... You gotta learn Braun to trust Strowman me. Braun needs a big man to throw over. Yeah. That's understandable. But what's not understandable is taking Seth Rollins out of it. Or Big Show could pull... pull you know, double that night and go for the title and Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, yeah. Wow. You know, so. Wow. He's three stages of hell, which <laughs> Big Show style, which if we were, if Big Show was put in the main event, Patrick, I'm sorry, I would probably sell our WrestleMania tickets. I would want out. I would want to back out of the whole Orlando experience. <laughs> so it's going to be Triple H, Seth Rollins at WrestleMania? Of all the WrestleMania predictions for the card, that one I'm 100% certain of it. He lost his spot because of Triple H's music hitting on Monday. Yeah. The other big rumored match though that it's got a lot it's gotten a lot of traction lately though. Shane McMahon and AJ Styles is the direction that they think that they are going in with AJ Styles. I'd like to see that. Oh, no. Yeah. AJ Styles is the world's greatest professional wrestler at this moment. Correct. Shane McMahon is not a wrestler. The world's greatest stuntman. But they don't. That doesn't. That uh, that calls for huge spots because no. Sh- Shane will say yes to no matter what and it no matter for, how crazy it is. It calls for one huge spot if they do it. That's all. That's all he does. I, don't know, I would bro. hate that. I would I love to see it. That's not the direction. I would love to see it. But that means he loses on Sunday, basically, and I, I don't want to see that either. Cena gets the belt back. If Cena gets the belt back, I think back, he loses. Here's my thing. I think he loses at Elimination Chamber, and they oh, okay. they build from there on to the fact of of him and Shane. Who would he drop it to at the Elimination Chamber? Cena. Cena. To then fight with who at Mania? Cena Taker. But you have Taker and Goldberg. I'd love to have Taker Goldberg, but I mean, that's still, that's what I'm saying. It, whoever wins the Royal Rumble, you will be able to set the entire WrestleMania card. Based on Sunday, you'll be able to set, not just the Royal Rumble match, yeah. but the endings of the other matches as well. Goldberg has been in a Royal Rumble before, Patrick. In the 2004 Royal Rumble, he was number. 30. But we're going to go back even further than 2004 and look at a another highlight of Bill Goldberg's career. We go to September 14, 1998, an edition of Nitro from the Bilo Center in Greenville, South Carolina. The newly opened Bilo Center in 1998 in Greenville, South Carolina. Goldberg was booked into the main event tonight against Wolfpack Sting. So a big main event on the horizon there. And I mean, this is your 12th birthday, so... It is my 12th birthday, and boy, I was a huge Sting fan, so I would have been going nuts to see this match. But looking back on it, Wolfpack Sting is such a weak... They should have never had Sting join the Wolfpack. He fought against the NWO for several years. WCW's hero. That's the thing, is is you have... That's what the standout of DDP is, is the fact that he never joined. He was Mr. WCW. I know, and... I. That's how Sting should have been booked as well. Yeah. There's no reason that you can't have more than one guy like that that right. never turns or whatever. Right. Other than jobbers, you know, and mid-carters. Rey Mysterio. No, he was in the LWO for a minute. Never mind. Yeah, DDP's our man. Even Goldberg did a whole stint with the NWO Silver 
thing. No, he was he was uh, against them. He did turn heel at one point. He was though. with Bischoff and Russo, though. I, I don't remember that. That, that gets was, murky waters. That was two thousand, two thousand one, right around in there. That's when nobody paid attention to it. Of course, this is the Monday Nitro. This was your pick, by the way. Yes, it was your pick because this is, of course, the night that Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen reunite. This is without a doubt, and I know we're going to have a discussion about it when it comes up. But I think one of the top three greatest moments in WCW history. Well, that's not that bold of a stance. Top three? I top, mean, that's that top three. Yeah, I would say that is. In WCW history, this is... We covered Sting and Hogan at, at Starcade. I think you're going to have to go a little bit... We, we, can, we can discuss top ten lists or top five lists later on. But this is the Monday Nitro after Fall Brawl 1998, which was War Games, which had NWO Hollywood, NWO Wolfpack, and Team WCW was all in the War Games. And your man, DDP, came out victorious. Yeah, this is, though, I think the only one where it was just every man for himself. It didn't matter. And so that's how that worked out in this War Games. You didn't have teams. I think he was this on is Team where, WCW. This is where it gets a little, little murky because you had the Ultimate Warrior runs off Hulk Hogan. So Warrior and Hogan's out. Yeah, it was three teams. It was Team WCW, which team here is Team WCW. This was who was representing World Championship Wrestling in the War Games match, Patrick, was DDP. That okay. makes sense. That's yeah. fine. Then Roddy Piper, who's only been there, you know, a couple years. That's still fine. And then here's your big problem. The Warrior is yeah. on Team WCW. The Ultimate Warrior, yeah. Who this is his pay-per-view debut. And Correct. he's... Never really been in this company before, but he is Team WCW through and through. They defeated NWO Hollywood and NWO Wolfpack. That is, of course, yes, when the Warrior came up through the trap door yeah. in the match. Who do you think's on Team Hollywood? Oh, right, because that's a, it's a sport. It's on this show, tells you. Hogan, that. Stevie Ray. Brett, the hitman. Yeah, who's also not say. in the NWO. Yeah. So the NWO Hollywood was pretty weak, but Stevie Ray took the pinfall after yeah. a diamond cutter. Yeah. So... But if you were to look at all nine men in this in this match, and you said, who, who do you think's taking the pinfall? Everybody would say, oh, Stevie Ray yeah. is going to lose. So that is how War Games ended last night. So team, WCW rules the land. Wolfpack had, had, was it Sting, Nash? Luger. And Luger. They had the stars. Yeah. Yeah, this was the first War Games match where pinfalls were allowed. That's what I'm saying. Whoever got pinfall... Was, was going to be the number one contender for Halloween Havoc. Yeah, that's true. These were teams, but they were fighting for it a was, shot this, at the belt. This one was pretty much every man for himself. Well, especially Team WCW and Hollywood. Right. The Wolfpack's more of a team than the other two. So we go to Nitro. The announcers talk about how DDP gets a shot at Goldberg down the road, but it could be Sting because that's the main event tonight. Tony and Larry, of course, have the call at first. As soon as this show opens up, it's We Want Flair Chance right away as Tony and Larry discuss, of course, the four horsemen in their history in Greenville, South Carolina, and the Carolinas in general. This is horseman country, This is, yeah. But then after the We Want Flair Chance, we get Goldberg Chance. Ooh, they've suddenly sold their allegiance, this crowd. Mike Tanay is out at the airport where it's daylight. Make note of that. It's daylight at the airport. He's waiting for Ric Flair. A limo drives right past him. 
So he runs to the plane, and the pilot says, no comment Yeah. on whether Flair was styling and profiling, or whether he was jet riding or limo driving. Limo riding. Limo riding. But he's jet plane riding, jet plane flying, limo riding. There you go. Okay. Thank you. The Nitro intro plays, and we open up with... It's always good to start out a show with Thunder highlights. Don't you like watching a show to see highlights of another show? I want to see Thunder on the network. Of course. Bad. Well, one day... Ernest Miller. Interrupts an Armstrong brother interview. Probably the only time the Armstrongs have ever gotten an interview. And he beats them up. Norman Smiley rescues the Armstrong brothers and saves them. And then Doug Dillinger, of course, breaks it all up. And the WCW goons save the cat from getting a beat down from Norman Smiley. Das Wunderkid, Alex Veit, he is out first. He's going to take on, oh, here he is. Pre-heavy metal, this is hippie Van Hammer. No, this is post-heavy metal. Okay. This is post-flock. This is hippie Van Hammer, which is pre-hates peace Van Hammer. When we saw him last at yes. Bash at the Beach, 1999. Yes. Alex Veit lands a snap suplex and does some chops on Van Hammer in the corner. Tony and Larry mention that the flock has been set free after Fall Brawl. All the flock has flown the coop, so to speak. I like the way you put that. Very well done. Wright gets scoop slammed a couple times, and then the cat walks out, and he just kicks Van Hammer right in the head, and the match is thrown out. And when Alex Veit sees this, he just uh, walks out. Says, you know what? I'm not I'm not involved in this. I'll be leaving now. I got my win. So The crowd boos heavily. This is the first match out of the gate, and the crowd boos heavily. The cat, he gets on the mic, and he wants to tell us he's the baddest man in the world. Nobody can beat him, and he's the greatest. Somebody call my mama. And Doug Dillinger and Greenville's finest arrest the cat for this uh, assault and take him to the county jail. We follow him. All the way through the arena to the police to car. To the police car, yes. Where we see that it's nighttime at this police car. So therefore, Mike Tanay, that was all taped. Because... I think it just got dark really quick. No, it could not... Get, okay, you always believe. That is the one thing about you as a pro wrestling fan. You always give them the benefit of the doubt. Wrestling is real. We show highlights from War Games where Hogan got in the ring before the count. Hogan didn't pay attention to the the timer in War Games. Yes. Hogan's done this a few times in War Games matches, I think, where he just ignores the timer. And he gets in when he wants to. So he got in before he was supposed to, and Bret Hart suffered a leg injury during the match. So that's the story. That is the one War Games result they want to show us is Hogan just getting in the ring we toss to mean gene who's not ready yet he's actually walking to the ring very rare that mean gene is out of position welcomes brett hart who gets booed brett is a heel for some reason brett doesn't emerge at first but when he does he's hobbling out he's got a leg injury that he suffered last night he was part of team hollywood even though he's not in the nwo i never understood what they were trying to do with brett hart hogan and the nwo i never understood what they were doing with Bret Hart, period. Yeah, they didn't know point. how to use Bret at all, and and because of that, it it just it was a dark time for Bret and wrestling wrestling fans of Bret Hart. So, Bret tells Gene that he's made a jackass of himself. <laughs> I guess it, no WCW has made a jackass out of you, Bret. He says Hogan is full of crap. He's right about that. Bret calls him scum and says that Hogan ordered Stevie Ray to turn on him last night. Oh, so that's what happened during the War Games match. Stevie Ray launched an assault on Bret Hart. He said he's got the U.S. title, 
He says he doesn't know why he has it, though. But he says he'll be back from this injury, and he wants Hogan, and he'll make his life a living hell. Promises was, go unfulfilled. I was trying to understand, like, how how did he get the, the U.S. or the TV title? It was the U.S. title. It was the U.S. title. I believe he won a tournament after they forced Goldberg to vacate it. Because Goldberg won the world title with the U.S. title. He was right. a dual champ, but I, they champ. stripped him. Because I thought he defended both belts. For a couple of months before, well, yeah, he didn't lose, so they would have had to have stripped him of the title. Goldberg was stripped of the U.S. title as soon as he won the world title. And then two weeks later, on an episode of Monday Nitro, DDP and Bret Hart wrestled for the vacated belt. Bret Hart won it, then lost it to Lex Luger on an episode of Nitro a month later. Luger lost it to Bret Hart on an episode of Thunder. It bounced between Bret Hart, Luger, and DDP all within... Three months. Between July and November. Okay. It bounced between all of them. And do you want to know where Bret Hart won it the last time? That would be Chattanooga, Tennessee on November 30th, 1998. So even though he's got this belt that he doesn't want... He comes back and fights for it in November. That is the story of the U.S. belt and Brett the Hitman Hart, who, yeah, he treats this belt like garbage, though. Yeah. Well, and, and even when he came back to WWE, he won the U.S. title in 2004 or 2005. What? No, he didn't. Yeah, he did. That never happened. You were going to... Uh, who? Oh, you mean DDP? No, Brett. Oh, right. He did win it in 2010. 2010, yeah. He won it from The Miz. Yes. In a no DQ, no countout match. The exact same time that they put. That's bizarre. And then you had, I can't believe they did that. And Brett was U.S. title, U.S. champ for almost a week. Was, was yeah, a, almost a week or two. Because he became the Raw general manager a week later. Yeah. <laughs> that is so stupid. So, that is so stupid. Yeah. And this was after WrestleMania, after he had had his, his fight with Vince. His. I'm gonna, I'm not even gonna call it a match. It was just. Uh, it was just have the Hart family come out and stomp Vince. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he he basically teases this feud and this fight with Hogan that never never materializes. Another broken promise from WCW. That's Hi- a, there's a lot of those. Piper comes out of the back. He tells Brett that he told him he told him he was a jerk and that he never should have sided with Hogan. Well, duh. If you were a wrestling fan who had watched since WrestleMania 9, in a million years, Brett would never be on Hogan's side to begin with. Well, yeah, because Hogan stole the spotlight. Piper tells Brett to think of his parents and who he's disappointed by teaming with Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Piper says, if we can forgive Bill Clinton, we can forgive Bret Hart. Oh. We go to a Slim Jim commercial with the Macho Man. Then Raven and Lodi are going to take on Saturn. Uh, fall Brawl highlights. Yes, Fall Raven Brawl. and Lodi took on Saturn with Canyon handcuffed to the ring. Kidman turned on Raven... And Saturn won and freed the flock last night. So Ra- so Saturn has set the flock free. Yes. And that is where we've gotten to today. He, he opened the birdcage and let him fly. Perry Saturn is out in terrible ring attire. He's got a pink bandana, sunglasses, vest, and a Speedo with, of course, the planet Saturn on it. I never knew Canyon was part of the flock here. Did you know that Canyon was part of the flock? I think he's the only one that stayed behind, so I guess he was. I remember him being... I remember feuding with Raven 
but I don't remember him ever siding with Ravens. So. I didn't either. So when I saw this, I was kind of shocked. Kendall Wyndham is out to jobber music, and he didn't put trunks on for this match, just blue jeans and a vest. Saturn belly-to-bellies Kendall Wyndham and lands some light kicks and punches on the corner. He misses a top rope splash to a downed Kendall Wyndham. Wyndham lands an elbow from the apron to Saturn on the ring mats. It's the most impressive thing he does in this match. <laughs> Then he hits a flying shoulder tackle for a two count. Saturn spends a few minutes just selling for Wyndham's strikes. Saturn sells for a big boot from Wyndham that misses his face by a mile. Then Wyndham low blows Saturn in front of Mark Curtis, but Curtis lets it go. Wyndham sets Saturn up in the corner and lands a back suplex. Then Saturn hits a T-bone suplex, a lariat, a body slam, and a top rope elbow but Kendall kicks out at two. Then Saturn hits the Death Valley driver and gets the win. Raven's flock immediately come out. They look like they're going to attack Saturn at first, and Raven's in the crowd and says, okay, joke's over, everybody. You've had your 24 hours of freedom. It's time to come back to Raven in the sanctuary. But the flock, Patrick, they... They don't go. They stayed strong. Now, Canyon didn't. He's with Raven in the crowd. And Lodi didn't want to. Lodi was the most conflicted of the members because he knew his career was going nowhere either way. So Saturn grabs the mic and tells all the flock, Hey, Horace, you and I have worked together. Throw out the stop sign and be a star. Saturn says, all he says to Lodi is, Good luck, Lodi. (laughs) Yeah, he really did kind of shit on Lodi. And then he tells Kidman, Go out tonight and win the cruiserweight title. Just leave, everybody. You're all free. I love how they give that away when, storyline-wise, Kidman wasn't even supposed to be in the Cruiserweight title match Yeah, he wasn't even booked tonight. Yeah. Who will take Raven's offer? The answer is nobody. Well, except Canyon, I guess, because he was still in the crowd. Who better than Canyon? Wrath is out next. His theme song sounds just like Perry Saturn's with that siren going off. Renegade is already in the ring. Oh, man. The fall of the Renegade has Yeah, been... because we had Warrior at this point in time, so who needs the Renegade when you have the original? Yeah, the generic Warrior is, is no good. He did. He was in the ring at Fall Brawl last night when they did the uh, switcheroo with the Warrior. He was actually the one that came through the trap door. Remember that there's a guy in the ring that looks like Warrior beating his chest, and that scares Hogan, and then Warrior runs into the cage. The, he was oh, the that's fake right. Warrior. The, yeah, the, pyre, or the, flame, the, uh, smoke. the smoke comes out. He beats his chest, smoke comes out again, he disappears, and then he comes running through the yeah. down the entryway. That's well, that is right. He I, was Warrior's body double. Finally, he got the role he, of he got his he, actual job. He did what he wanted to do in life. Oh well, I don't know. Who about was that. the Renegade actually? I've never known that. He was a male stripper originally. Another wrestler with a very sad end. Really? Uh, yes. Rick Wilson, a male stripper, basically, before he got hired. He got hired in 1995. He debuted at Uncensored, and they teased, you know, they wanted the fans to believe the Warrior was going to show up and right. turned out to be this guy instead. But sadly, in 1999, he committed suicide while he was on the phone with his girlfriend. Really? Terrible stuff. They're only 33 years old, the Renegade. That, that's, that is sad. So, Renegade is already in the ring. They've taken all his gimmick away from him. He has no face paint. He has no bodysuit. He just looks like a random guy. Yeah. There's only room for one warrior at a time, Patrick. Yeah. He, he kind of got the raw end of the deal on this. He got the nitro end of the deal. Uh, Renegade hits the back handspring China elbow, which Wrath then no-sells. Wrath sets up the pump handle slam called the Meltdown, and he gets the win. 
That was the entire play-by-play of this match was yeah. two moves. And so I guess they're building Wrath up as the next big man. NWO Hollywood is out. I noted Elizabeth's outfit here. Blue jeans and black leather chaps. Not a very good look uh, for Miss Elizabeth. In 1998, this isn't like... Oh, by the way, your boy Kendall Wyndham in those faded blue jeans earlier, that yeah. was a pretty bad look, too. But that's a that's a Wyndham trait, though. Faded old blue jeans yeah. and his glove for, uh, what's his name? Yeah. Black Jack Mulligan. Yeah. Bischoff comes out with NWO Hollywood and points to a sign that says, Bischoff's pen is bigger than Vince McMahon's. Get it? Got it. Get it. Yeah. Bischoff brags that they built the Bilo Center for Hulk Hogan. That's not true. And he says that Flair is not going to be there tonight. Another. This is a popular WCW thing. Get on the mic to the fans. Tell them you're not going to see what you paid for. So why didn't the people just get up and leave at that point? Yeah. Because the last time when we watched Nitro where Goldberg wins the title, Hogan gets in there and says, I'm not wrestling Goldberg tonight. Why would you do this to your crowd? Tell them. <laughs> I guess you're just supposed to disbelieve Bischoff. And hope, but then what if he didn't show up? There'd be riots in the streets of Greenville, South Carolina. WCW did the bait and switch thing a lot, and I wouldn't put it past him to do it here. So luckily, you know, they delivered. They delivered, but still, Hogan says the Hoganites can't stand sissies like Bret Hart. He says Warrior is a coward, and he makes an official challenge to Warrior for Halloween Havoc. Oh man. For one of the greatest matches of all time, it would turn out to be. I would. I wish that was a true statement. Smoke fills the ring, and the disciple, Brutus Beefcake, Ed Leslie, has been kidnapped. And the segment ends with Hogan screaming into the camera, Warrior! And that's how the segment ends. Very well done, actually. That was great acting. Yeah. Kaz Hayashi was supposed to wrestle Juventud Guerrero for the cruiserweight title, but he is injured. And what do you know? Billy Kidman is going to take his place, just like Saturn wanted him to. Go out and win the cruiserweight is title Is Saturn tonight. booking this show? I think he might be. Hoovy has Sweet Surrender written on his tights, which was a Sarah McLaughlin song from 1997. So there you go. Hoovy's a big uh, Sarah McLaughlin fan, I who, think. Who is Sarah McLaughlin? Oh, it's... Terrible music. You, oh, okay. it's, it, you wouldn't. She was like a folky, a female folky singer. Lots of guitars, pianos. Oh, okay. Right. I don't. Which is why it's odd that Hoovy has this song title on his. Pants. That that makes it a little weird. Yes. Hoovy connects with a missile drop kick that sends Kidman reeling to the outside. Kidman grounds Hoovy with a chin lock. Hoovy lands a flying body press that takes both men flailing outside to the ring. They take a commercial break in the middle of this match. A very rare thing in the Monday Night War era to take a commercial break in a match. Mike Tanay, luckily, has made it back from the airport. Good, because I need someone to call this match. <laughs> Instead of calling the match, though, of course, they just pester him about Ric Flair. Have you seen Ric Flair? Do you know? Do you have any inside sources? So he does not get to call the match. He gets to answer questions about Ric Flair. Kidman tries to German suplex Hoovy, but Hoovy flips out of it, and then Kidman catches him for a sit-out powerbomb that almost gets a three. Kidman dumps Hoovy on his neck as Hoovy was running from the ropes. Shivani recaps the entire flock angle to Tanay because Tanay was at the airport, Patrick. He missed all of what happened with the flock earlier tonight. Hoovy, he, he was having to explain why Kidman was in, the, in this and, match. And he got in a clean shirt, I yeah, think. Yeah. This might be the debut of the white tank top for Billy Kidman. 
And he wasn't scratching anymore. Yeah, he no longer had a seven-year itch. Hoovy German suplexes Kidman for a two-count. He climbs to the top rope and hits a Hurricane Rana, and that gets another two-count. Then Hoovy tries the Hoovy driver, but Kidman reverses it into an inverted suplex, which only gets a two-count. The crowd finally bit on a finish, and they were finally getting into this match towards the end of it. Kidman goes upstairs to try the seven-year itch, but Hoovy cuts him off. Hoovy Hurricane Rana's him off the top turnbuckle. He calls for a 450, but Kidman gets up, catches him, power bombs him, and then he goes up and hits the seven-year itch, and we have a new cruiserweight champion in what I say is already the match of the night. Kidman's newfound babyface run begins with the cruiserweight belt on his shoulder. Yeah, that was definitely match of the night. By the standards of a cruiserweight match, it wasn't that great of a cruiserweight match. Especially Kidman's offense by always wanting to ground Hoovy, which, I mean... That's not a bad bad idea when you have a high flyer take him down to the mat and ground him. But, but Kidman's not a, a mat-based wrestler. True. But yes, I thought this match was uh, very good. Especially for a TV match, you know? I mean, yeah. based on what we're used to... The matches previous to this on this card had not been that, that great, so... This one's one I didn't understand that's coming up. Saturn comes out and applauds. Hoovy gives the respect spot, and the newly minted babyface cruiserweight champ gets to celebrate for all of, like, five seconds before they cut away <laughs> to Mean Gene, who's interrupting, and he says he's found J.J. Dillon in a suit and demands to know if Ric Flair is backstage. And, of course, J.J., he doesn't know. And then Doug Dillinger says, no, you're not getting in here. Doug Dillinger is the star of this show. He's in, like, every segment tonight. Yeah, he is. A playable character in WCW video games. Was he? Some of them, yes. He was was definitely in WCW Backstage Assault, which is the worst WCW video game. But I think he was also in Thunder, or not Thunder, uh, Mayhem. Mayhem. I think he was in, in two games as a playable character. Doug Dillinger. Jackie Chan previews Rush Hour. He's going to show some clips of his new film, Rush Hour, during Meals with Wheels, which was TNT's, I guess, version of dinner in a movie. Yes. Meals with Wheels, so you could see some cars, hot cars and hot films, I guess, after Nitro. The one thing I, I did like, I never watched what was on after Nitro for the most part, but I did like that late at night they would replay Nitro again, so sometimes... I'd be getting up, getting ready for school, and Nitro would be on, so I could actually watch, watch it again. If you I watch wanted Raw to. and then Nitro, and yeah, yeah, you could actually watch both in the same, you know, span of a few hours, right? Without having to tape one on a different TV or whatever. I just loved how Jackie Chan was like, "Hi, Larry." Oh uh, yeah, you know he has no clue who Larry is. They just said, "Say hi, Larry," and run. Yeah, like Larry's a Bisco, and J- I doubt they've ever met. Right. They, they have very little in common. I thought that was hilarious. So he's like, hi, Larry. Another useless backstage segment as Eddie Guerrero and Bischoff argue over who made Eddie Guerrero a star. And Bischoff said, all right, you're going to Japan. That's it, buddy. Barbarian is out with Jimmy Hart. He's going to take on Davey Boy Smith. Now this... I don't understand this match. Why was this even put on this card? Well, what's crazy about it is we all know the story of what happened last night at Fall Brawl. This is... Last night is what almost killed Davey Boy Smith because last night he took a bump on the trap door that was in the ring for the Warrior 
well, for the Renegade to pop yeah. up through that match. Right. And he ended up with a spinal infection that nearly killed him. It kept him hospitalized for six months, and he actually got fired from WCW while he was in the hospital. And Really? Yeah. Every time this story is told on all these documentaries and stuff, they, they only mention Fall Brawl. They don't mention that this guy is about the next night working a, a worthless match against the Barbarian. Like, And I thought when he came out, I thought, dude, he looks bad. He looks really, really bad, like swollen, yeah, like out of shape, probably in just tons and tons of pain because at the end of the match, I'll tell you what, and it's unbelievable. This guy went out there and tried to work this match and like, just tell your boss you can't work. It's yeah. WCW. That's I, what they do. I know, well, I mean, he was always known for his power slam, but I know when he picked up Barbarian to try to power slam him, it, it was he struggled. Oh, the finish of this match was, yeah. you could tell this guy yeah. is not... But I great. couldn't understand why. I didn't realize what I, I had no idea about this. This is the first I've heard of it. Yeah. So. so as soon as I heard his theme playing, and I was like, "No, no, this guy's not coming out." But yes, Davy Boy Smith, the British Bulldog, is going to take on the Barbarian. This injured man, British Bulldog. One of the moves the Barbarian does is drop elbows into his lower back. Wonderful. Then Jimmy saves Barbarian from a running power slam. So Barbarian tries a running boot. But then, of course, that woeful slam from Bulldog. He could barely get this guy up. Slams him and pins Barbarian in a couple minutes at most. He looks in bad shape, and you can tell he's in serious pain as he walks back to the locker room. This is his last WCW match as he was fired while he was in the hospital. This is what I got from the Wrestling Observer newsletter at that time. Davy Boy Smith likely needs surgery to replace the discs in his back with titanium plates. If he does have that surgery, there's a chance that he could be wheelchair bound. He has two crushed vertebrae and four fractured ends of vertebrae. He does have a chance to recover fully after a painful lengthy hospital stay. But his condition, while he was in the hospital, actually took a turn for the worst as some of his veins began co- began collapsing. His veins in his back became, collapsed into his body from the damage that was done here. And this this guy went out and tried to work this match. Well, I know I, I've always heard after a back injury, or his back injuries, when he started getting pretty strong into the pain pills and things like oh, well, that. Well, he had always had substance problems, but yes, this did not help at all, and... He was able to come back eventually to the WWF, yeah. as a matter of fact, when he wore the blue jeans. Right. And uh, was the uh, he was like a construction worker gimmick or whatever, but yeah, just crazy. I, I just could not believe that they sent this guy out there. Like, especially when you get like people like Nash and, and Luger, who, or you know, any of the top guys, they, they can just pick and choose when they want to work or whatever, but for whatever reason... Bulldog had to work. Yeah. So JJ Dillon is in the ring now with Mean Gene after we come back from commercial break. Gene asks about the Steiners feud instead of, oh, about the Four Horsemen. <laughs> Let's just ignore that for a minute. What's going on with the Steiners? And uh, JJ makes a match between the Steiner brothers coming up later. But then the lights flicker. And oh, it's one of your most favorite angles from WCW. There's a laugh track playing, the lights are flickering. It means Chucky is coming soon to WCW, Patrick. That's what the end of this J.J. Dillon interview was teasing. Wasn't Halloween it, Havoc. Was it Halloween Havoc that him and Rick Steiner had like the whole little... Yes. I, well, I think it was before that because okay. he was promoting the movie coming out. Right. But there you go. Just a little taste. Side note here. 
just take a quick second. WCW loved to incorporate stars and movies just like RoboCop and Chucky and all. Right. I, I never understood why. I couldn't. Did Was well, that, were they getting paid for doing it or were they just doing no, it? No, it was all. It was all the same company because New Line Cinema and Turner and Time Warner is all the same thing. Oh, so Turner owned New Line Cinema. Right. Okay. So that's what the the idea was. Like, okay, we already own this, so let's get some free advertising. Okay, because I had no idea. It made it made no sense to me whatsoever. I know Sting talks about him and RoboCop all the time, and I, which I thought as a kid was badass. Yeah. As an adult, not so much. Yeah, no. They show the Nitro Girls in the Mug Root Beer winning Nitro Party. And Jim the Anvil Neidhart is out next. NWO music hits, and uh, no one comes out. Instead, smoke fills the ring. And all of a sudden, Warrior has shown up with the Disciple. And Jim the Anvil Neidhart, he just walks away. The NWO Hollywood comes out and surrounds it. And of course... Warrior cuts a promo on Hogan, and he accepts a challenge for Halloween Havoc. So there you have it. What was the purpose behind bringing Warrior to WCW if they were going to have him lose to Hogan? It was so Hogan could get his win back. Is that is, he was really that self-centered about it that I it think had so. to be? Absolutely. Because I've heard two sides to the story, so I didn't. I was just wondering what your opinion was. I on think it. yeah, it was just Hogan's ego. Because I heard Warrior was supposed to win, but then when he showed up and did that whole promo about, well, I've already beat you once or whatever, is when they, well, they shot that to shit. Now we got to have Hogan win kind of thing. Yeah. So I didn't know. No, I just think it was Hogan just wanted his win back. Smoke fills the ring and Warrior and Disciple then escape before Hollywood can save the Disciple. But he doesn't seem too concerned about Disciple the rest of the show. Yeah, no, he, uh, oh, does he take him Warrior with him? takes Disciple with him. This is, Disciple was the only, was the second member of the One Warrior Nation, Patrick, because everyone has to have an NWO group. Yeah. And Warrior's group was just him and Disciple. <laughs> and he called it the One Warrior Nation. That, well, you know, when you're as badass as Warrior, you don't need. You don't count. Like, don't, normal people count. Yeah. Up next, here's your main event. Silver King and Norman Smiley. Silver King Speedo is pulled up a little too high for my liking. <laughs> and Buff Bagwell is out with Scott Steiner, so I thought this was a tag match. But no. No, it's a uh, it's a handicap match. A handicap squash. I mean, how often do you get that with a non-giant, you know? Yeah. Scott Steiner, Big Papa Pump, he wears Buff's hat on his muscle at one point. His muscle is so big, he can put a hat on it. That's pretty, yeah. Yeah, this guy is, uh, he's been hitting the old uh, juice juice box, I think, for this week. He is out of his mind. And yes, this is a handicap match, and you would think, oh, well, he's at a disadvantage. No, not Scott Steiner. This guy's Superman. Scott Steiner annihilates Silver King and Norman Smiley. He gets a double Steiner recliner, Patrick. Yes. Makes two people tap out, even though Silver King's head was totally... Silver Free. King was screaming bloody murder before he even got it completely locked in. It was a great sell job. Buff gets the mic and says, hey, Norman, who's smiling now? That's funny. The Nitro Girls dance again. Then we get Thunder highlights where Bischoff tells Arn that the four horsemen are history. Arn chokes him. And Bischoff says, if you want flair and the horsemen, well, you're going to have to beat me. Arm wrestle him. In an arm wrestle match. 
left-handed. But on not on Nitro, not tonight's show. No. On Thunder this on coming Thunder. even though tonight we get the reunion. You get Flair in the you get to see Flair, but Flair can't wrestle in WCW until Arn wins this arm wrestling. Correct. Arn's arm wrestling match. Say that three times fast. So yeah, with his left hand, which by the way, they didn't show, the NWO assaulted his left arm. Yeah. Which tonight he had no side effects from. Right. When he was in the ring, but so they weakened his arm. So hopefully a week later He's got enough feeling in that arm to save the four horsemen. I mean, that makes no sense to have an arm wrestling match left-handed with a left-handed wrestler. He's left-handed? He is left-handed. I didn't know that. That's what the whole significance of it was. And that's one of the reasons why he ended up having to retire is because his left hand was... Numb. Yeah. Well, his neck. The Giant comes out to wrestle Ming. This is a great match. No. <laughs> you could do this match with a lot. Why would you waste, not a giant, but not the giant, but why would you waste Ming in this match? A big guy. You could have, this should have been like Silver King in here. Ming had a good showing, though, with Giant. Well, to still get squashed. The giant is going to wrestle Ming. They chop each other. Ming tries to take the big man off his feet. They brawl very poorly. They're brawling in the ring. Yes. Leave something to be desired. I enjoyed the headbutt, though, that Ming completely did not sell. Well, you don't headbutt a Samoan. Yeah. Everyone knows that. Right. Except the giant, for some reason. Yes, he tries to give a headbutt, and Ming's not selling that. No. The big spot of the match, the only spot in the match, they both go for their death grips. The giant wants to get the choke slam, and Ming wants to get the Tongan death grip. But... The giant's arms were just that much longer. (laughs) (laughs) And so giant gets a choke slam and wins. And there you have it. That's why I said you you could have just had anybody in there. You don't need to waste Ming. Ming, he could have been repackaged as as a really cool wrestler. A big guy. I thought he was even to begin with in WCW. Ming, I don't think he got the fair, fair end of the deal, but I think... The way he was now in, like, Faces of Fear type Ming, he was badass. He just never got that push. So Scott Hall is out next with his drinking gimmick. Okay. A wonderful spot in history. We're going to have to talk about this. Well, they just made the British Bulldog wrestle with a broken back. So, to my knowledge, that wasn't an act. It's It's a gimmick, yes. Do you think it was? Yes, yes. Because WWF did the same thing. Well, yeah, they did it with, uh, with Hawk. Hawk. But, well, I guess when you're so used to actually being that way, you can act it that that much easier. Some of his acting was good, but some of his acting was a bit over overacting. For myself. I mean, I've never drank. Well, I understand, so yeah. So I don't know the... Some of it was a bit overacted. Okay. Especially... I think the part, the parts where he stumbles around, it just didn't look very nat. Like when he goes outside to get a drink from Vincent and comes back in, it's like and he trips over the rope. Yeah, it's it's very forced there, and also when he lays down in the ring. But all his his normal mannerisms, yeah, even before the drinking gimmick, are very, you know, he's just he's loose, yeah, you know, with his words and with his movements of like posing and stuff, all yeah. that stuff. Fits in perfect. Yeah. And like, but as far as doing like the Dick Van Dyke stuff with taking tumbles and stuff, like these guys fall professionally for a living. So they know how to do it safely and know how to make it look 
real. So when you tell someone that does it all the time, okay, I need you to fall in a different way this way, that's that part of it just didn't seem natural to me. But this was Vincent's biggest thing he ever did in the company. Yeah. And I mean... <laughs> being, the, being the beer guy. But also, the other thing I was wanting to ask you is, you know, you had this, this with Hall. You had this with Hawk. You had this with Jake Roberts. Oh, yeah, where uh, Jerry the King Lawler poured a bottle of booze on him. It's terrible. Is it something that, I mean, I disagree with it, and hopefully we'll, we will never see it again, but time will tell. The The drinking gimmick or the alcoholic gimmick that they have portrayed over the years within those three, and there are more, uh, those are just the big three. Uh, well, when it's portrayed in a uh, negative light instead of like beer money, you know, where it's... Right. I feel like it's... it's what, what gain? What gain? What do you gain out of that? I don't get it. I don't. I don't. I don't know either. There's. I mean. I don't get. Well, and especially with pro wrestling, when they, so many of them die so young anyway. Like right. I don't. I don't need a pro wrestling program to tell me that these guys. Ha- a lot of them have problems. I don't. Yeah. Need, I don't need to be shown that additionally. I can just tell because I. I open up my web browser and there's a new dead wrestler. You know, yeah. I, I think. Well, I think part of this was to write him off of television because he was off TV for a while, and then returned at that because he was in in rehab at the time. Right, and he he shows up he shows back up at that Nitro in January, so okay. that we watched with Gold not Goldberg that oh the finger poke of doom the finger Nitro. poke of doom Nitro, he shows yeah. up to that so this might have just been a way to write him off TV for a while. Okay, it was also a way to tease the wolf pack coming back together because here's a guy in need he needs his best friend to set him straight right but yeah there's a much there are much easier ways of going about that than ex- that, that, exploiting this man's demons see that yeah that was one thing that i've just always had a problem with so or another bit of overacting like his belt being upside down when he walks to the ring his tag belt or whatever that is like then it falls off when he gets in the Uh, ring well i thought that was pretty funny actually that's how belts should always come off just when they pose the belts just just like an action figure it should just pop off (laughs) but yes he comes down to the ring carrying his cup and vincent who's the bag man the brown bag man not he's not well he is brown and he is carrying a brown bag, so he's he's also he's the bag man and the brown bag. Tony apologizes for showing Hall this way and he says we don't think it's funny. Well, yes you do. Why are you sh- or you think it's valuable? Yeah, because the company's showing it to us. He does the survey. The survey's been modified, Patrick, and it only mentions NWO Hollywood and NWO Wolfpack. There is no WCW. Or did he ask for WCW? He didn't ask for WCW. No. It was just Hollywood and Wolfpack. Yeah. Then Wolfpack Lex Luger is out next, and I thought, is he really going to wrestle in blue? And is he really going to wrestle in black jeans? Well, he doesn't have to do much wrestling, so. Well, this is Luger and Wolfpack. He did. That's all he wore was black jeans. So. Well, he didn't even need to take the shirt off tonight. He could have, uh. Yeah. Done anything. Anyway, Hall won't engage with Luger before Vincent gives him a drink. He's got to get some courage, some liquid courage. He stumbles back into the ring and falls on his face. Then he falls down again, intentionally this time, so he can roll out and get another drink. Then Luger puts him in the corner and says, man, you got to snap out of it. And then Bischoff comes out and pulls Hall out of the ring and says he can't save him from everything. Then 
Nash and Conan, I guess, break character, or Nash breaks character here, I guess, and comes out to uh, confront his old friend, and this is where all fake vomits all over Eric Bischoff's jacket. Even when, like, DX would dump, like, poop in quotation marks on, like, Vince and stuff, I don't like that stuff, man. Yeah. I just don't, it's not double dare, you know? It's not. Yeah. Anyway. That was the thing, is is just, I feel... Like that and and the 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 drinking gimmick, like those kind of go hand in hand in in the fact that it's just distasteful. <laughs> it is like it, there's no need for it. Nitro goes to break, and we come back, and JJ Dillon is suddenly in the middle of the ring, and they've dimmed all the house lights, and it's only the spotlight now. He brings out Arn Anderson. JJ apologizes for saying that Arn shouldn't reform the horseman. Then Arn thanks the crowd and says, Tonight's a new beginning. Arn goes over his career, but the crowd gets really tired of him recapping his entire career and just starts chanting, We want flair. But then Arn has the perfect response, Patrick, because what does he tell the crowd? Everybody gets what they want in the end. Bischoff. And then he brings out the other three horsemen, Mongo, Benoit, and Malenko. They all walk out to their own theme music, not the Four Horsemen song. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. Arn compliments Benoit. Half a compliment from Mongo. And then he compliments Dean Malenko. And then he says, through the year 2000, which is only, at this point, a year year and a half half away. away. Yeah. He says, through the year 2000, the horsemen will rule the sport. But remember, they don't wear white hats. They don't wear white hats. They're not nice guys. And heads are going to roll. This is big. This is big. Yeah. But then Arn says he gets forgetful sometimes. He has a hint of Alzheimer's. He almost forgot to call out the fourth horseman. Which would actually be in the ring. That would be five horsemen. It would be. Oh, active <laughs> roster horsemen. Okay. And yes, basically, out. basically, Arn took over JJ's spot as manager. I guess that was the idea. Yes, Flair comes out on the ramp, teary-eyed. That place went nuts. Yeah, they. That place literally. I have right here the loudest and longest pop. I would say I have ever seen in wrestling. Of course, the storyline being here that uh, Flair was. Sent home, basically. for Well, he no-showed an episode of Thunder in April to go watch his son's wrestling tournament. Well, that was his reason. He just really didn't want to work. Yeah. He wanted the same privileges as uh, Hogan and the other guys which to is, say, which is fair. When you're more the greatest of all time, yeah, it's more than fair. He wanted the same thing to say, I don't want to work Thunder. I don't want to do this. And Bischoff said, no, you're going home. So then he had to... Sue the company. So in the meantime, he's been off TV since April, and he also he tried to go back to the WWF and uh, Vince. They didn't have any. They didn't have a spot for him, and yeah. so he's basically forced. If he wants to continue to wrestle, he has to come back here, and so he settles the lawsuit, and then he comes out tonight, and that's the. This is the conclusion of that saga. So Flair, he comes out all teary eyed on the ramp. It's a huge reaction. He takes the mic, and he can't speak at first. He has to compose himself a little bit. He says, based on the response tonight, he realizes that the 25 years he's put into the business was worth every minute of it. Then he flips the switch and gives the fired-up Ric Flair promo. He talks about the horseman not being dead and then takes aim at Bischoff. He says, this is real. This is a real-life situation. Just like the night when Arn passed the torch to Kurt Hennig. 
And then, of course, Bischoff buried Arn on TV with the NWO sec. Bischoff told Flair, disband the horseman. But then Flair says he apologizes not to Bischoff, but to the fans for walking out on them. He's still fired up here. And then Bischoff, he walks out. And then Flair loses his shit. Flair calls him an overbearing asshole. He screams abuse of power. All this is going to be in there, so I don't really need to go over it. I love how he just, I mean, he, the crowd, it was perfect timing because he's like, you are a no good. And the crowd gets all silent. And he's like, son of a bitch. (laughs) And that place went nuts. Yeah. Abuse of power. Cut me off. You suck. I hate your guts. (laughs) You're a liar. And yeah, a no good son of a bitch. (laughs) And then he goes, and then my favorite is how he ends the segment. Fire me. I'm already fired. Yeah. Yeah. Fire me. I'm already fired, which doesn't make any sense, but is cool when he says it for some reason. It's just They come back from break. I hate that this is where... I thought this segment could have been longer, actually. But yes. I've never understood why it gets cut off, but anyway. Was it the fact that Bischoff was rushing it just to get it out of the way? Like, hey, yeah. You know. Moving along. Yeah. Maybe they were afraid of it just dragging. Because I'm not 100% sure that Bischoff was actually supposed to go to the ring well, on that note. He made a good decision then by going out there. Yeah, it worked out awesome, in the man. long run, but it was all, it, you know. When they come back from break, Tony says it was the greatest moment they ever witnessed on Nitro. I would make that argument. I would say it's a second to Goldberg winning the belt Yeah, off Hogan on and Nitro. On Nitro, yes. In WCW history, I would say third below Sting and mm, Hogan at, at Starcade. But Hogan turning heel is about in there, too. Yeah, that's true. So I would have this at fourth, maybe. Okay. I would agree with that. I mean, they're all very close. I mean, you can yeah. rearrange them any way you want to. But those are the four moments I would... Those are the four moments that when you think of WCW, you think of that right there. Yeah. Those four. Goldberg chants fill the arena now, and DDP comes out instead. He goes into the crowd. Well, he is the people's champ, Patrick. And he goes and high-fives all the people in the crowd. Bobby gives him his headset, but then in the process gives up his chair, so he has to just stand behind and look <laughs> look lost uh, while DDP took his uh, headset. He's the first one to welcome back Ric Flair, DDP is. And uh, they go to break, and I suppose they went to break so they could find Bobby the Brain a chair. And a headset. And a headset. Halloween Havoc promo, Warrior and Hogan. Oh, boy. Set your VCRs now, folks. You're not going to want to miss that match. Michael Buffer is in the ring. Let's get ready to rumble. Wolfpack Sting is out first. As we, as I mentioned before, just it's a big miss Yeah, that this guy would ever run with the Wolfpack. But when he turned, it got a huge reaction because, you know, the Wolfpack was hot. Sting's hot. Put them together. Sure. I think he still should have stood alone. I, I think yeah. that was... Well, looking back on it. Well, when you even, go to the crow sting side of it, like standing alone is the whole point of that gimmick. Yeah. So when you throw him in the wolf pack, it's like... Oh. He's not the lone wolf like Baron Corbin. Right. He's so. in a pack of wolves. Goldberg is out next. Doug Dillinger, again, shows up to knock on the door of Goldberg to get him out. This is what Doug Dillinger is known for. Knocking on the door of Goldberg. They should bring him for Royal Rumble on Sunday. Bring in Doug Dillinger, if he's still around, to just knock on the door. That would be awesome. 
Don't even mention it on TV. You just have people look for it and yeah. mention it later. Yeah. So Goldberg starts the match by hitting a power slam. Sting lifts Goldberg. Sting lifts up Goldberg for an Oklahoma stampede and then a suplex. But Goldberg no sells it, Patrick. No. This man pops right back up. Doesn't feel pain. He doesn't sell anything in this match. Sting hits a drop kick, but Goldberg no sells it and then locks in his knee bar. But Sting gets to the ropes. Goldberg easily wins a test of strength with Sting. Why would Sting even try? Yeah. Goldberg attempts a tombstone, which probably would have broken Sting's neck had Goldberg actually been allowed to do this tombstone. But Sting tombstones Goldberg, and guess who beats Sting to his feet? Goldberg. No-celled a tombstone pile driver. Sting hits two Stinger splashes and gets a third when he tries it. Goldberg tries a spear on Sting in the corner but runs into the turnbuckle. Sting chop blocks Goldberg and tries to lock on the Scorpion Deathlock, but Goldberg tries to fight out of it, Patrick. He couldn't turn the legs. He tries to muscle out of it once Sting steps over, and it... It all falls apart. It all falls apart. And so then I love how they cover it up and say, oh, it looks like it's a... it's a Just a regular Deathlock. Deathlock instead of, yeah... So yes, and Sting has to basically sit down on Goldberg because Goldberg, just to hold him down because yeah. he didn't want to. He didn't want to. I don't know if he didn't know the finish. I don't know if he what. But so Goldberg fights through the pain of this submission hold, even though he's right at the ropes. He could have probably he could have reached over and grabbed him. Yeah, but that sneaky bastard Hulk Hogan, who's not involved in this feud. He's not involved. He's involved with Warrior. So why does he even care about this match? Because he has to be the... He's such a spotlight hog. Yeah. So Hogan comes back out, kicks Sting in the head. The referee somehow missed it, despite being right there. Oh, when he did this, I was like, no, that's the wrong guy in face paint, Hogan. You hit the wrong guy. You hit the other half of the Blade Runners. You didn't hit the right guy. Goldberg spears Sting, jackhammers him. And retains the title. Then Hogan attacks Goldberg with the belt because why give Goldberg a chance to celebrate? And Bret Hart then runs out. Right. A one-legged Bret Hart needs to save Goldberg. But you have DDP who is disgusted doing commentary. <laughs> didn't do anything. Didn't do shit. Well, to be fair, he if he went into the if he did anything, it could be interpreted. He should have went down there, saved Goldberg, and had a stare off to build for for havoc. Why did you bring out a one-legged injured Bret Hart? Yeah, good point. He could have went in there and given Hogan the diamond cutter or something and then backed into Goldberg. And yeah. Had a sti- You're right. You booked it way better than they did. And Hogan's not even involved with Bret Hart, really, at this exactly. point. Exactly. And then, oh, what I do love here, yeah, I just like that, yeah, one-legged Bret Hart, you know, is out to save Goldberg. Yeah. The guy who just stood up from a tombstone, you know, no yeah. problem. But one-legged Bret Hart is out there to fight for his honor. And then I, I love this. The, the crowd is just booing. They're just booing the shit out of this finish. And then Tony says, oh, the boos are for Hogan. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're not, Tony. And that's how they do it. That's how Nitro... Well, Goldberg stands up and shakes hands with Sting, and that's, that's yeah. how the show goes off. But there you have it. They just can't help themselves, Patrick, when it comes to TV main events. They just can't give you a clean, definitive finish for anything. I... How... But... How do you do TV main events, Patrick, when you don't want to give away the match? Like Sting and Goldberg, that could be a pay-per-view. So you don't want to give away the match. So how do you get out? 
how do you I mean you always have to script these finishes though right right the but the only thing of it is is there's a way like I said to script the finish but still get something out of it you got the whole stare down gimmick for the title had you just had DDP do the rundown instead of making him look weak or whatever and be like oh this is bullshit and he throws the the uh, headset down and he just walks it back well i just think the problem too is that hogan had no reason to interfere in this match right brett had no brett had no interest in hogan at this point in time brett had no interest in sting or goldberg brett should not have even been a part of this but hogan, hogan should not have been a part of this if you're going to still force people down force hogan down people's neck then it's going to you've got to incorporate DDP because really DDP and Goldberg was the only thing circulating around this match that had any type of storyline to it. Right. And you didn't even use you him. You didn't even use him. Yeah, he was just on commentary and he right. didn't say much on commentary. Right. So. so it just But for the most part, up until Hogan's interference and the the fin- I thought the this match was going pretty well. Yeah. I it thought, was. Well, the first... <laughs> I say that this was a good Nitro, but the Cruiserweight match was good. The Ric Flair segment was outstanding. One of the best ever. And the main event was okay. Yeah. So overall, I'd say this was a very good episode of Nitro. And that means a lot, even though there's still a lot of there's still a lot of bad. There's I, still I all, still enjoyed the, the the thing with Warrior as well. It was... It was it was different. It was different. It wasn't too much. He wasn't in a mirror yet staring back at It him. was literally, he's there, he's, he accepts the challenge, he's gone. It, and that was that was just enough to be like, ooh, that that's... They probably could have left him on TV until the Havoc, really, if right. they wanted to. Right. And so I think that was, you know, there wasn't too much mumbling, there wasn't too much... He wasn't too far-fetched out there talking about the stars and all that stuff. It was very just simple is not always a bad thing. The undercard on this thing still stuck pretty bad. The undercard of Nitro. Uh, Kidman and Hoovy was was good. Yeah. Uh, I really could have done without Luger and Hall. That oh, yeah. Was, I mean, uh, I get the Saturn with the buildup between Saturn and, and Raven. I get that whole gimmick. Uh Van Hammer, Alex Wright. But I would have had Saturn versus maybe Canyon or something instead of just right. random Kendall Wyndham. Right. But, uh... Wrath was nothing. Forcing Bulldog to work. Oh, yeah, jeez. Uh, I like the Steiner. You actually like Scott Steiner beating two guys. Yeah, I enjoyed that. But gimmick. that just damaged, like, especially because later on they would try to make Norman Smiley into... Sort of a star, yeah. And you can't have, you can't try and build a guy up after. I wouldn't a loss put it with. That that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't put it with Norman Smiley, but I think Silver King. You can have Silver King and yeah, some other jobber do this. Yeah, thing. yeah. And so, uh, Wrath Renegade, I thought was decent. I would have had that to start my show. Yeah, because it was some. It was quick, you know? yeah. And it, you, it's okay and to so, have squash matches when you're trying. It's, if it hurts looking back on this, because we know that they never do anything with Wrath. You know, they never really. When they should have, because there was there was. He could have been a big man for Goldberg to beat in a title match. Yeah. If you had worked on him long enough. Right. But yeah, so. 
And yeah, so I think there's some. There's a lot of good though on this nitro for a. For a three-hour edition of Nitro, which by I mean, as we watch Raw every week, I have to be reminded that there's a whole lot of crap on Raw too every week. So yeah, on our rating scale, Patrick, how would you assess this episode of Monday Nitro? I am going to give this a WCW's Giant. Wow, he was tall the, then. The Giant. So we're not we're not perfect, but we're we're it was good. I'm going to award this a Kendall Wyndham, a very okay. above-average tall man, but yeah, six-six. Okay, still cool. flawed in a yeah. lot of ways. I'm with you. I'm with you. All right. So this was my pick. Where is it you are taking us? Well, I really just want to watch something that is not too long in length. Basically, I just need a break from these three-hour. Okay. Two and a half hour thing. So I found something that was two hours. It's the oldest thing you can find on ECW in the pay-per-view section of the network. It's called Hardcore Heaven 1995. It's uh, We're finally going to ECW. Yes, and but this is a this is not an actual pay-per-view. This was not shown on pay-per-view. This was a uh basically a taped special that they filmed at the ECW arena. And it features the long-awaited showdown between Public Enemy and the Gangstas. So that is your main event. But the main reason I picked it, not so much that it's ECW or that it's really good. I've never heard about this show, so we'll see together. Uh, it's two hours, so I can do that. It'll be a quick watch. We can all rest eat. We'll have a lot to talk about with the Rumble next week anyway. So right. We need a shorter review. So that's where we will go. Hardcore Heaven, 1995, with ECW from the ECW Arena in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Anything else to add this week? No. I, uh, I'm i looking forward. We're going to sit down and watch Royal Rumble tomorrow night together and uh, see what, what transpires in it. And I guarantee you that you will... Someone s- will win. You will see some shocking... Surprise entry, and somebody will win the Royal Rumble. Wow. Way to go out on a limb. So, yeah. Well, that'll do it for this week's Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. Bingo, bingo. April 1998, there's a thunder taping in Tallahassee. Reed's competing in a big amateur tournament. And for whatever reason, things go south. You were gone on vacation. And I had asked, you had already given me the weekend off. And I said I had to go to weigh in on Thursday. And they had Thunder, which was a secondary show anyway, in Tallahassee. And you were in like Minnesota or something, right? No, I was in Detroit, Michigan. Okay. Okay, but in Eric's absence, what is the lawyer's name that was trying to run the company? Nick Lambros. I felt like he was kind of undermining anyway, right? So Eric's gone. Uh, you, you might have been out of the country or something. I know you were gone somewhere. And he calls me out of nowhere and says, what are you doing? I said, I asked for the time off. He said, well, who'd you ask? I can't even remember. It was Janie or somebody. I mean, there's a number of people you could run right that by, right? Yeah. And, and Eric, you know, like, like Eric said, a lot going on in 98, right? But it was thunder. And, and he goes to me, well, well, 
Well, send a jet for you. You pay half of it. I said, what are you talking about? You fly Hogan around in a jet every day long. I'm, I'm not. I'm not doing it anyway. I'm not keeping my kid out till three o'clock in the morning. And then I just think he. And I know this is my take on it. He just. He's the one that gave you the word. Like I told. I never told him to stick it up his ass. I just said I'm not leaving my son. And he's trained for this. And I already got the weekend off. Why wouldn't I have Thursday off? I mean, what are you doing? I'm, I'm not even on TV. I wasn't on Nitro Monday. What am I doing on Thursday? You know what I mean? And, and my take on this is that the other guys were saying, you guys, I think the other guys, and I've said this before, we're just telling Eric, we're not doing it. We'll do Nitro. We're not, nobody wants to go to Thunder. Am I pretty much accurate on that, Eric? Yeah. Well, it was, yes. You, it was you a secondary show. It's like SmackDown. They don't, you know, there are a lot of replays in that. And Hulk, I can tell you right now, I don't think Hulk ever did a Thunder. He did some, yeah. Well, maybe in the beginning, but yeah. later on, he wasn't flying around doing uh, Thunder. I mean, you know, everybody was going. It, that's when everybody was just kind of doing their own thing. But, Eric, is it fair to say, based on your answer, the decision was made that the talent or the inmates were trying to run the asylum and you were going to make an example out of Rick? Yes. I mean, I, I, that's a lot colder than I would say it, but I think that, that it got to the point. Because that's, like that's, I said, no Rick, that's okay. Rick, Rick drew a line on the sand. 